I'm Chris Farrell from the All Things Good and Nerdy Podcast, a wacky weekend morning show, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out right now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to episode 202 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we wonder, wouldn't it be great if... In this week's Better Podcasting Download, we chat about some recent corporate activity over at Libsyn. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we discuss buying a web domain from another country. Lauren, you better start the show now before SP buys 100 more domains to his additional 1,000 that he's got right now. Thank you. Start. Let's go. Welcome to Better Podcasting. With a combined history of over 1,000 episodes and starting as early as 2008, we are hobby podcasters through and through, just like you. That's why we are different. We minimize the money talk so that you can focus on building a better podcast. Here are the hosts for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Yes, we are here with another episode of Better Podcasting. I am Stephen John Drew and I am pleased to say the living legend Stargate Pioneer is here again this week. Yes, I am legendary because I'm on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, which is a podcast about the Marvel Universe. That's comic books, that's TV shows, that's films and that sort of stuff. But we don't talk about that here. We talk about podcasting. Specifically, we talk about hobby podcasting. One of the things we do every week is we start our show with a How I Save My Podcast story, which is when our audience or maybe ourselves, we relate some sort of tale on how we've actually saved our podcast because it's sharing with the class. You know, we all make mistakes on our show. We all do heroic things to save them. And then we talk about it so that we learn not to do what we did wrong and how to correct it if possible. Some weeks, though, we reach into the interwebs and we grab a how I could have saved my podcast story, which is what we're going to talk about this week. It is a Reddit post posted on the podcasting subreddit. It was posted by Stoy FC, and the title is My Co-Hosts Aren't Helping or Pushing for Improvement Much. I run a podcast with two of my good friends. We have a lot of fun doing it, and we have a great dynamic together, and I see potential for further growth. However, they're not interested in bringing guests on unless I interview them myself. They're not interested in putting money for a marketing campaign. Actually, I am solely paying for our hosting fees. They stopped paying me and I stopped asking after a while. My fault on that one. I know they don't want to get a table at a convention or anything. And every time I ask, what can we do to make things better? They shrug their shoulders and say, I think we're fine. We're not. Our download numbers haven't increased in over a year, and I want to grow and expand our reach and do more things. Don't get me wrong. I'm having fun recording with them. But like I said, I want to grow. I'm weighing moving on without them because I feel like I'm really the one keeping things going. And every time I want to do something to take us to the next level, I get nothing from them. Should I dump them or just suck it up and deal with it? Just seeking advice. Thanks in advance. Well, Stoy FC, you're not on Reddit right now. You're on Better Podcasting, but I have some things to say, and I know Stephen does too. Stephen, what do you have to say to Stoy about his conundrum with his co-hosts? I have quickly become more of a fan of, of just dumping things and moving on for personal, 
benefit just because there's a lot of baggage that comes with continue, trying to continue on and push through struggles when you're really personally personally having some challenges. So I, I have quickly become uh, someone who advocates, if you can't work through it, move on to something that you enjoy more. So we talked a couple of weeks ago about moving on to different projects. I mean, you can't move on to something that's better for you if you can't stop the one that you're doing. But think about the goals of the show that you are doing today. What were your goals? What were your collective goals? It sounds like some of the things already broke down a little bit. But if you're still achieving those goals that you wanted to achieve to the first place, if you just want to hang out with your friends, then to hang out with your friends. You could start another podcast and go solo and do all the things that you want to do to make it better, but it is difficult to keep multiple shows going over time as a hobbyist. I mean, my golden rule of hobby podcasting, or one of them anyway, is don't do more than two shows per yourself, basically, and after that, it gets kind of harrowing. So if you want to move on to a different project and you only have the time for a different project, I'd say go ahead and do that. But if you want to keep doing what you're doing and have fun, and if your goals are being met with your podcast, go ahead and do that. We do advocate looking at the goals and what you want to achieve with a podcast pretty much on an annual basis. So maybe it's time that you look at that. If you're not achieving what you want to in the show anymore, it's time to move on. But if you are still have fun, it's not, he's having fun. I assume it's he, he's having fun. So if that's the goal of the podcast then he's meeting that goal. If you have a How I Saved My Podcast story or a How I Could Have Saved My Podcast story, send it in to us through any of the ways we would love to hear from you. You can email us to podcast at betterpodcasting.com. Head on over to betterpodcasting.com or just come to our Discord server at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. We'd love to feature this in a future episode of Better Podcasting. Way back in episode 78, we did an episode called The Cruel Reality of Starting a Podcast. Now, we did this partially as a reference tool that we could use for people who were considering getting into podcasting, but hadn't really considered all of the challenges and difficulties that can come with podcasting. Now, what we didn't expect when we did this was how many people would express their appreciation for this episode and even reference this episode to other people that they were discussing podcasting with. We were shocked at how many people would express this. Now, when we've talked to people about why they enjoyed this episode, there's a common theme through the feedback. It's that they enjoyed the open discussion of the difficulties and obstacles that people face when podcasting. So today, we want to take kind of the spirit of that and maybe toss in a few extra examples and some wishful thinking as we go through the same concept in something that we're calling, wouldn't it be great if? So we're going to go ahead and use that phrase to come up with some statements that is to do with podcasting and talk about some considerations with that statement and summarize that sort of concept with some reality statements that we think is to do with that. SP, why don't you kick us off here? Let's start with one that we hear a lot of brand new podcasters say. Wouldn't it be great if my podcast got 100 listens per episode? All right, that's a, that's a pretty standard one that you see. You hear a lot of variations on that theme, but we'll go with 100 listens per episode. 
As we're going through these concepts, as Stephen said, we're going to start with the considerations. So I'm going to start with a list of things that you can think of to help work on achieving this idea. So for this first one, we're going to consider, are you producing content worthy of being consumed? If you're not, then it's hard to gain new listeners. Is your audio quality of a level that somebody is willing to listen to and it's not driving people away? You know, those sirens in the background, those uh, line noises that's actually greater than the audio. Say you're driving around in the car, you hear a lot of road noise. Some people are not going to want to listen to that. Are you consistently publishing your show so you can slide into that listener's regular schedule? You know, on a weekly, maybe bi-weekly. We talked about monthly release schedules in the past. If you're not, the listener might actually get tired of waiting for you to release something and unsubscribe and find something else to fill that scheduling void. Have you distributed your show to the main podcast directories? Now, we mentioned last week that we think listener habits are changing, and we've said before how there are studies which show that Apple's grip is actually loosening. I mean, it's still pretty strong, but it's starting to loosen. If you haven't submitted to the applicable directories, you might not be found by listeners searching within the app that they're in. Now, we're talking about places like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, those sorts of directories. And is your homepage configured to allow that Google podcast indexing? If not, you're missing out on a lot of Google-based searches and SEO and Android SEO. What is your promotion and marketing strategy? Do you even have one? Are you using key phrases to get found when people search for you? Now, we're not talking about that keyword stuffing that we've mentioned before. We're instead talking about properly tagging your show your descriptions, and the other fields with relevant details within allowed specifications. What sort of things are you doing to help turn up new subscribers? For example, are you interacting with your niche's circles? Do you have any advocates for your show outside of you and your co-host and maybe your publisher or your producer? But it's more than just new listeners. What about your current? Are you engaging them so that they continue to be interested and not feel like you're giving them the cold shoulder and that they continue to be engaged with your show? Now, let's move on to some of the realities about 100 listens per episode. This is the second section that we're going to go through in each of the what if questions. And we're going to start this one by saying, with around 750,000 podcasts in Apple Podcasts, now this number does in fact change daily, so we're just going to say around 750,000 podcasts, it's difficult to be noticed as an individual show. And consider that this is just the numbers that you see in Apple Podcasts, and it continues to grow each year. This means that every day it becomes harder and harder to achieve that goal of getting the 100 listeners per episode. It's also worth considering that there will be competition from existing shows. You could have a very unique concept. The odds are at some point, somebody will hear this concept and they'll want to do it themselves, either duplicate your show or do it in their own way. For many podcasts, it takes a long time to grow and gain a consistent following. And don't expect to have that 100 right out of the gate without an existing audience that's following you already. It's also important to remember that people might be listening to you through a variety of places, and there are the statistics that you're reviewing to capture all of these. For example, some media hosts enable you to auto-upload to YouTube. Have you checked what you're getting over there in terms of statistics and listens? 
Now, those metrics won't be in your media host stats, plus the metrics are a different standard than the IAB Podcast Measurement Guidelines 2.0, so it is difficult to count them as one-to-one listens, but it's all trending data that you can follow. All right, Stephen, what do we got next for our what if? The next one is, wouldn't it be great if my podcast was featured on Apple Podcasts? If your show is featured anywhere ever, it's a pretty big feather in your cap. But the main place where we see a lot of podcast producers put their focus on is being featured in Apple Podcasts. Shows or episodes that are featured by Apple in iTunes or Apple Podcasts are really hand-selected by the podcast team. So the first thing you'll need to do is make sure to get Apple's attention. Now, you could do this through a few different methods. Number one, of course, produce great content overall that's going to be craved by listeners. We highlight that all the time here on this show. And another thing is approach Apple through a third party who regularly works with Apple, such as maybe your media host provider can stand up for you. Those are a couple of ways that you might be able to get Apple's attention. Sometimes if you have an upcoming uh, episode that coincides with some form of big event, Apple might agree to feature your show for the time period around that event. That's something worth considering. If your show is, though, selected to be featured, they're probably going to ask for a variety of specific items, which changes as Apple Podcasts evolves. So that is something, though, they'll give you a request of information that of changes you probably need to make. And that's going to include things such as specific artwork, profile photos, and different descriptions. In the past, from what we know, Apple Podcasts has not even considered a show, though, to be featured because of certain technical limitations or issues with the show, such as with the feed. Some examples of this include the show or the episode artwork not being within proper specifications, non-playable audio formats for Apple devices, non-valid RSS feeds and associated fields, as well as episodes not being available for download within that feed. Also, from what we know in the past, shows have not been featured before due to timing. This is not an overnight process that happens between you and Apple and often requires week of preparation. So if you are thinking, well, I would like to get featured next week, it's probably not going to happen. So keep that in mind. If your available episodes are not at the same level as a specific featured episode, you may find yourself with a one-hit wonder. Now, even though your show is featured in Apple Podcasts, the results are actually rarely blockbuster. So evidence that we've seen from a few shows have who have released their results from being featured in Apple Podcasts, they come in terms of a few hundred more listens over the entire show's catalog and maybe single-digit new subscribers. Now, the feature will only last so long, depending on the topic covered and the time of year, somewhere from a week to a month you will still have to produce your next show after it has been featured and the next show after that. So unless your entire goal in podcasting is to be featured once in Apple Podcasts, you will still have more work to do in the future. So we're going to move on to the next what if statement. Wouldn't it be great if my podcast had person X for an interview? You can substitute whoever you think would be like the key guest for X for the interview there. So some considerations that we want to go into include what sort of value do you think that this person would offer your show? Now, it's important to identify this because getting that person might not always 
be out of the scope of what you can do. So I had some big names on Voices of Defiance and Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Steven, you also had some big guests on your Fanboy Buzz comic book podcast. Yeah, and the point of this is that we can attest to the fact that just because you've got a show that's a hobby show doesn't mean that you're not going to get some names on your podcast. It can definitely happen. So definitely consider that. There are many examples of this, of podcasters being able to achieve this goal. But the similarity with all these examples is that you have to have a general ask of the individual. You can't ask if you don't know yourself. So what methods are applicable to attempting to get in touch with that person? For instance, have you done some research to find out if there's an agent to go through? Do they have a personal website with contact information? Perhaps it's not just a specific person. It's a specific concept. Have you reached out to them? For example, here on Better Podcasting, we did some interviews this year with some interviews from some of the audio equipment manufacturers in podcasting. We reached out to those companies who then put forward the individuals. We didn't seek out the individuals themselves. Is there a better way that you can build your interviewing resume and notability up to the level of landing this key interview that you're aiming for? For example, if you're a fan of a TV show, maybe you can start with interviewing some lower build characters or maybe some people behind the scenes, maybe even one time appearance actors and actresses. So that can lead up to getting the key name that you want. And an interview with a notable name could be the entry drug for somebody to experience your show and then end up subscribing long-term for similar content. So it is worth trying to get the guests that you want, because if you're interested in it and you're podcasting about it and your listeners are interested in the subject you're podcasting about, they're going to be interested in that guest too. Stephen, what are some of the reality points of this? Well, the first thing that we want to mention in this section is, do you really have the skills to do this interview? Because interviewing's not easy. Sure, you're probably going to be able to ask questions if they come on there, but having a quality, true interview is not an easy task, especially if you find yourself a little starstruck. If you're not ready, you should think about how you can get ready, and that's going to involve some practice with interviewing. Another reality of this is that podcasts now are really a dime a dozen, and many of them are unfortunately of poor quality. Unfortunately, this leaves a negative impact to the general appeal for some people of doing podcast interviews. It seems a lot of names are increasingly no longer entertaining the idea of doing podcasts unless they're some big name podcast. We've even had some people tell us that they've received rejections outright that have been flat out saying, sorry, so-and-so does not do podcast interviews. So that's a shame that that's sort of happening with these interviews. Another reality is that if they are a big name guest, the odds are they aren't going to do a lot of promotion for your show. If this person is doing interviews on bigger productions like late night talk shows and other big productions, they're probably not going to share your, the information about your little show. It's just not going to happen. The other thing as well is that bigger names also generally don't have a lot of unique offerings that they haven't shared before if they've been interviewed a lot. In turn, while they're going to be a great checkmark for the bucket list, sometimes they don't end up turning a lot of ears to your show because they're not out there actively promoting your show afterwards. Now, the SEO that you can get 
from having them on your show is only going to be as good as your indexing is. For example, do you have it in your show notes or your title? If you don't have it easily accessible by the engines, you're not going to end up having that indexing happening. And if a guest is being interviewed on a dozen different shows or more, now you find that SEO filled with all of those other shows. And now it is a very cluttered space for all of that SEO. Yeah, you might not actually get anything out of it, or at least what you think you can get out of it. So keep that in consideration. We're going to move on to our next, wouldn't it be great? We're going to talk about, wouldn't it be great if my podcast won a podcast award? That's often pretty cool, right? Well, some of the considerations that you might want to think about this, let's talk about your work, right? So as a supervisor at work, you learn that different people are motivated by different rewards. Some people like monetary rewards, some employees like additional time off awards, some employees like a new job title, even though they're doing the same thing, it's not necessarily a promotion. They just want that different job title. And some employees like winning awards. Now, winning an award for a podcast can be huge for the podcast host or the staffer's motivation to continue podcasting. It's that positive feedback loop that comes back to you. Winning an award can also be that accolade placed on your website that validates that great quality you deliver to your listeners. And yes, for those of you who are competitive, it is an achievement that is won over other podcasts in general. Often, winning an award doesn't come out of the blue. It takes a lot of hard work over time. You'll have to consistently produce good content, just like we produced, we discussed earlier. And you might also have to put in an award submission. Now, award committees often do not have the time to listen to your entire back catalog of all the shows of the podcast that you're nominated for. Some awards require something like a two or five or 10 minute example clips that you send in of your of your best work or what you consider your best work. Additional items might be included in the package like host bios, extended show descriptions, and some awards require an entrance free fee to help defray the costs of the process. Some awards require pre-recorded award acceptance speeches or require you to actually travel to the award ceremony, whether you win or not. So keep that in consideration. Popular voting awards will have you encourage your audience to vote or nominate you. But if you have episodes or portion of episodes that you've dedicated to this, it will be in your feed for years to come so that somebody listening, say five years from now, will have to hear you ask your audience to vote or nominate you over and over again during the open period for the award. And it is useless at that point in time because they can't do anything to help you. So in many ways, seeking a podcast award could be the biggest project you will do for your show in the year that you are podcasting or for your show, period. Keep that in mind. It is a big thing to go for a podcast award. Stephen, what are some of the realities of trying to win a podcast award? Uh, the reality is that, of course, winning a podcast award is like the best thing ever because you absolutely get millions and millions of instant listeners. You suddenly have everybody paying attention to your show. Offers are coming in for you to do all sorts of other television and movies and everything. Oh, wait, sorry, that's just not the case. No, because awards rarely do actually directly bring in more listeners. It's just the case. You're not going to suddenly have a big increase of listeners because you won an award. But 
it can be an accomplishment that can be associated with your show and possibly leverage depending on how you do your marketing, of course. It can also help you build a resume for your podcast or a personal resume because of the fact that you can now say that you have won that award. It's some form of verification for the quality of content you've been producing. To everybody that has won a podcast award, we here at Better Podcasting say congrats. It's an accomplishment that many other shows won't ever attain. And that's kind of the last part there of this reality is that your show probably won't attain a podcast award ever unless you make your own awards like we did over them on the GunnaGeek.com show. It's a, in t- I mean, yes, it, what you're saying is, is there's truth to that. But if you really have a good quality product, you can go ahead and go for a podcast. We personally know some podcast award winners, so it, it is possible. Anyway, we're going to move on to the next Wouldn't It Be Great. So we're going to talk about Wouldn't It Be Great If My Podcast Got Me on TV. Some of the considerations of this is podcasters actually have been known to be spotlighted on TV shows anywhere from local news morning programs to nationally broadcast talk shows. As podcasts to continue to be normalized in media, it stands to reason that this trend will continue. More than likely, this will end up just being a portion of a TV show that you are on anywhere from, say, two to 15 minutes, but probably less than a segment in between commercials. So seven minutes or less. Before you go on, make sure that you have your show's elevator pitch down pat because you might actually have to give it. Memorize the major subject matter bullet points for the topic that you've been asked to appear on. And the time is of the essence. So edit yourself beforehand. Try to memorize those responses, but don't make them too memorized because you want them to sound naturally. Be engaging and entertaining just like you would on any live show that you might want to do or panel that you're on. And guys out there, you might want to get a haircut in advance. So what am I talking about there? Am I saying hair is too shaggy these days? No, I'm saying you're going to have to worry about your appearance. So your hair, your hairstyle, outfit selection, they're all considerations. And believe it or not, a lot of talk shows will actually show shoes. So make sure you have the appropriate footwear on as well. Have one, and I'm talking about one, commonly accepted call to action. For instance, not everybody is on Discord or Twitter or Facebook. So if Stephen or I were on, let's say, Good Morning America, never going to happen. But if we were ever on Good Morning America, we wouldn't want to send people to our Discord server because not everybody out there is on Discord. But we would send people to betterpodcasting.com. So make sure you have that one call to action of the one place that you want people to go to contact you, to see your your IP and, and everything else. So there, there you go. Steven, some notes on reality on appearing on a TV show. Before we get to the reality, I just want to say, speaking from experience, that's exactly what I did when I was on Canada's number one morning talk show, Flapjacks and Bacon. Uh, that's the name of, of the Canadian talk show. Oh, is that right before or after corner gas <laughs> moving on to the reality the reality is that there's actually not a lot of data to support what impact being on tv to do with your podcast has on your show now if you have done this we want you to let us know what was your experience with that we've heard from some podcasters that have and overall what we've heard is little nominal spike generally but not a lot of long-term listenership increase Moving on to the next wouldn't it be statement, wouldn't it be great 
if my podcast made money. Now, while we don't put focus here on better podcasting on money, it's literally in our introduction now. We recognize that some hobbyists do consider over the life of their podcast making money. So we wanted to briefly touch on this one. As you consider this, you need to think about what methods do you have that are going to be attainable for you for the size of your podcast. If you don't have yourself a massive podcast, the odds are the traditional PPM strategies aren't going to work for your marketing or for your monetization of your podcast. However, there are many podcasters out there that have shared how they've been able to monetize their podcast based on other non-traditional strategies, being in a niche or doing some direct advertising with certain companies, things like that. Now, we're not going to get into the specific of these ideas because, again, we're not here about making money. We're not going to give you the tools on how to make money because we don't focus on that. But we want to highlight that if you are thinking about this, you need to at least consider what is going to potentially be attainable for your podcast. And another consideration that you should have while you're thinking about that is all to do with your podcast budget. As a hobbyist, you should have a, a budget for your podcast. Once you start to make money through your podcast, this increases its importance. Make sure you have that budget for your podcast because it's okay to make profit with your podcast, but wouldn't it be nice to use some of that profit to help make your podcast even better? SP, what do we have with the reality side of these things? One of the realities of making money with your podcast that we often see is that podcasters are shocked about when it comes to the money is that it's the reality is that the podcast is income. It's, it's income. It's literally income guys. This means that there are tax laws that you have to consider for your specific region or country. Yeah. You probably aren't keeping all that money because there may, if you're in the United States, definitely are taxes that are applicable. Also, if you're now getting into making money, you probably have some costs that are associated with things like accounting, maybe an attorney that come into play. If you're going to make some money and report the income, it actually should be done right. There might be other considerations like operating costs that need to be considered when you're reporting it. Also, having a professional handle on this is probably in your best interest. But now there is record keeping that you have to do. It's time, right? How are you doing that? And what do you have in place and how much is it costing you? Some of these programs co actually cost money or it's time for an accountant to actually go through and keep track of it for you. So as you can see, the reality of this just stacks up. Uh, if you actually have employees and you have to pay for employee insurance and that sort of stuff. So who would have thought making money could be so difficult? I don't know. <laughs> Everybody who has ever tried to make money. <laughs> The next one that we have is I wish I'd get free stuff to talk about on my podcast. This one is kind of similar to the previous point, which is why we wanted to mention it right now. Some people have the hope that they can get free merchandise or free things in turn to discuss it on their podcast. Now, first, let's just get this out of the way. Say you should definitely consult laws about this because depending on where you are, potentially this could be considered something that is a taxable item or a gift. It'll vary depending on where you are and what the situation is. But other considerations that you should have is what value would this offer for your audience? Sure, it's great to get free stuff, but if you're not offering value to your audience by talking about it, you could be hurting your podcast more than you'd be helping it. 
your listeners might tune out. You should also consider what exact aspects of the product do you want to cover and talk about on your show? Are there certain parts of the product that you want to talk about in general to reach a certain type of audience? You need to know about this because you want to set the expectations up front when you talk to the person that might be giving you the item so that you can, in the end, meet the expectations of what you established with them when they provided the product. And do you have the time needed to properly evaluate or get enough experience with said product so that you can do a quality discussion on your podcast? If you're wanting to discuss a product on the show, the odds are you think that your audience is going to benefit. And this means you need to be confident about what you're talking about on your show. And in order to be confident about that, you need to have the experience with it. This is going to take you time to get the experience. And of course, you should also ask, what benefit are you offering the company for talking about the product on your show? Over the years, I've been provided some products, and we've even talked about it on this show here, for review on podcasts. One of the common things that we have seen whenever this has come up is the company wants to know what benefit you are offering them. And so if you don't have this in mind when you go and you consider going down this avenue, you're not going to be able to answer that question or pitch that to the company. So you want to ask yourself, what benefit do you have to that company by talking about it on your show? SP, what's the reality of this one? The first reality you need to face is that you probably have to disclose that this item was provided to you. There's actually some specific rules about this from the FTC, or there might be some other specifics in your country of interest, wherever country you're in. Another reality is that this disclosure can impact the impact you have by reviewing the product. Some listeners will immediately dismiss the product review thinking you were influenced by the free product, especially if your discussion is positive. But it can be awkward when you have that negative review. You're likely going to burn the bridge with the company when you give that negative review, and it could potentially impact your appeal for future products from that specific company or maybe another company that noted that you had a negative review about another company's products. We're not saying that you should avoid negative reviews. As a matter of fact, we would encourage them. But if you're going to get a product, you need to be prepared that you may have to give that negative review. So we're going to move on to the next one, and we're going to talk about, wouldn't it be great if my podcast had 300 episodes? Some people podcast with the goal of growing their podcast up in episode numbers, and they can see the day that they reach that 300 mark. First, you should consider why you're placing your emphasis on the quantity of episodes. You should actually have a valid reason for this. It shouldn't just be a marker up on the wall that you're throwing darts at. So some examples of reasons people may want to do this is maybe you just want to say you've completed a long-term project and you've picked that number of 300 or some other number. Maybe you've listened to another podcast with 300 episodes and you want to be able to say that you've done the same thing. Maybe you are obsessed with the 2006 film about the Sparta period 300 and you want those 300 episodes to say freedom. No, I'm sorry. That's the wrong uh, 300. Uh, whatever they say in the film. I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen it. <laughs> But most importantly, maybe you have a topic that you'll actually need 300 episodes to discuss. 
So if you're wanting to do that, those 300 episodes, you should consider your schedule. Are you releasing regularly so that you'll actually achieve that? Or are you releasing some episodes that are random that'll take you about 20 years to get there? It's a consideration. Now, the reality of this one is it's actually easy. What you do is you start a podcast where you just simply say a number. So you start episode one. All it is is you say one. Episode two, you go two. And then there you go. It's just going to take you, say, counting up to 300, release it, and you're at 300 episodes. It's a simple, simple idea. That might work for the count, but it's not going to work for IAB certified downloads <laughs> because you need to have at least one minute of that progressive download for it to count. That's why you obviously have a three-minute intro. Obviously, SP. Jeez. Oh, I, I wasn't thinking. Joking aside, the reality of this one, let's start off with the key one that we think we should mention. For many, many podcasters, there's little benefit to focusing on the number of episodes you've put out. While it can be super cool to have that instant recognition when someone checks out your show of having a big back catalog, the usual motto of quality over quantity applies to podcasting as well. Other challenges with this is that as you go through and you try to build up that episode back catalog, you might have co-host issues such as commitments. If you're weekly podcasting, this is going to take you about six years of podcasting to get up to 300 episodes. That's a long time. And trust us on this because we've done it. This will have lots of impact on your life in various times over that 300 episodes. And many things are going to change within your life, life over the course of those years. So definitely you'll run into some issues like this. You'll also at some point probably feel some form of burnout. How are you going to keep developing fresh content to help get yourself out of that phase? As well, the listener feedback. You're going to have a lot of listener feedback that comes out over the course of 300 episodes. And are you ready to manage all of this feedback to keep building your audience and also keep them interested in your show? The next wouldn't it be great is wouldn't it be great if my podcast got 100 reviews on Apple Podcasts? Some of the considerations include what are the sort of things that you're doing to help encourage listeners to write reviews? For many people, they subscribe to a show, then listen. Some people, it's not even within the Apple Podcasts app or on iTunes. And yes, iTunes still exists on my Microsoft computer. It's cumbersome for the listeners to have to search out your show on a third-party website, Apple Podcasts, find the show, then review. Have you created a short link to direct them to the Apple Podcasts page? Are you specifically asked them to post reviews? And have you shown them that you pay attention to the reviews? You don't need to do it every show, but occasionally shows that you're paying attention to the reviews. Some of the realities that we want to talk about here is the first thing is, does it really matter? Really? <laughs> a lot of pe people think that positive reviews means that you're more likely to have people subscribe, but is that really the case? The last time you reviewed a show, did you seek it out in the Apple Podcast reviews first? I mean, if you're looking for a show to listen, do you actually go to Apple Podcasts? Do you read the reviews? Then do you subscribe to it? And then you you listen to it. Is is that how you do it? It's not how I do it. So, and I know that's not how Steven does it because he doesn't use Apple Podcasts. <laughs> true, very true. 
But also more and more people are looking at directories other than Apple Podcasts. And it's okay to ask for reviews, but in our opinion, you should recognize that part of it, maybe a large part of it, should be for your own benefit, not necessarily because it helps your show. And the last one that we've got here is, wouldn't it be great if my podcast was mentioned on Better Podcasting? Well, some considerations that you have for this one. Have you ever emailed us at Better Podcasting? Have you sent in a how I save my podcast story or have you sent me a message telling me how much you are obsessed and in love with Stargate Pioneer? Have you written us an Apple podcast review? And if you've done any of these things, especially the part about SP, have you made sure to include your podcast name when you've done that? The reality of this one is it's really, really easy. Just do any of these things and, and, and we'll do it. So there you go. You can contact us at podcast at betterpodcasting.com. This is the Better Podcasting Download. In the Friday, October 4th, 2019 edition of Pod News, it was reported that, quote, Lipson's chief financial officer, John Bushouse, has resigned. It comes after a complaint by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission accusing Bushouse and Lipson CEO Chris Spencer of negligence and misrepresentation involving Lipson's previous parent company. Bushouse and Spencer have agreed to a settlement without admitting or denying the allegations. And Bushouse has also agreed to a two-year suspension of appearing or practicing as an accountant before the SEC. In July, previously, Pod News reported that a minority of disgruntled shareholders that were led by Carmack had succeeded, which is another company, we'll talk about them in a second, had succeeded in forcing Lipson to convene a special meeting seeking to change the board and corporate governance. Lipson announced last month that the meeting will be held in Reno, Nevada on November 8th. Okay, so that was Friday, October 4th. In the October 8th edition of Pod News, it was reported via a Libsyn press release, by the way, and we'll get to that in a second, that, quote, podcast host Libsyn has reached a settlement with their disgruntled shareholders led by Carmack. Libsyn has agreed to many of Carmack's demands. Carmack's founder, Eric Shanahan, is now Libsyn's new chairman. Some payments to Libsyn CEO and former CFO have been canceled. A new independent director will also be appointed, as will Bradley Tippack, and Libsyn will pay Karmic $600,000 for their expenses. Shanahan is 31 and is an investor. Turpak is 49 and has previously worked for a dentist, a mining company, and a vending company in the past four years and works to improve corporate governance. Lipson's CFO resigned last week. The special shareholders meeting has been canceled, unquote. So the pod news reporting included links to the SEC filing that announced the resignation of Lipson CFO and the appointment of its new CFO. And Lipson actually had their own press release. I mentioned that before and including the following two statements from the Lipson CEO and the Carmack founder. So the first one is from the Lipson CEO, quote, we are pleased to have reached a resolution that we believe is in the best interest of all Lipson shareholders, said Chris Spencer, Liberated Syndication CEO. We look forward to adding new directors to our board and believe the new independent voices will complement those of our existing directors. 
Lipson is performing well as evidenced by a strong third quarter podcasting subscription growth announced yesterday. And we believe the company is well positioned to continue executing on our strategy and enhancing shareholder value, unquote. Once again, that was from Chris Spencer, who is the Libsyn CEO. The next one is from Mr. Shanahan, who is the managing member of Carmack. Quote, we are pleased to reach this agreement with Libsyn that brings fresh perspectives to its board and positions the company for future value creation, said Shanahan, founder and managing member of Carmack. Lipson is a wonderful business, and we believe this agreement will drive enhanced value for all shareholders, employees, and customers, unquote. All right, so now we're done with the news reporting. What does this mean for the hobby podcaster, especially if you're a customer of Lipson? At this point, it's really difficult to say if anything will change. Technically, nothing has changed with the service to date that we are aware of here on Better Podcasting. However, it's worth keeping an eye on how things progress. Libsyn is now a publicly traded company and subjected to all the rules associated thereof. If you happen to use the better podcasting criteria for choosing a media host, you should pay attention to the criteria we previously discussed in episode number 178. And I will quote from our show notes. The company must be run with above board ethics and have personnel that do not embarrass my brand to be associated with their brand. So we encourage you to make your own determination on working with any company using the aforementioned criteria if you're going to use the criteria. Yeah, I think that this is definitely worth reporting. I agree with what you said, SP. I think it's always worth knowing a little bit about the company. Uh, when we talked about the media host criteria, I mentioned that I think it's always important if you are going to give your dollar somewhere, you should be comfortable giving your dollar somewhere. So definitely make your own decision about anybody that you give your money to. You know, podcasting is no different and your media host should be no different. I think that there's probably in upcoming weeks going to see all sorts of speculation that people see. But just keep in mind that this is a public traded company. Libsyn is a publicly traded company and things and changes happen often with publicly traded companies. So I would just say keep that in mind. Let's go ahead and move on to the Better Podback. This is where we here at Better Podcasting turn the show over to you as we run through some of your feedback. We call this segment Better Podback. Let's start off with some Discord feedback that we had from betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. First off, Damien the DM came in on Thursday and he said, oh, look, after giving away Ozone 8, Ozone 9 was announced. And there was a bit of back and forth about that. Not a surprise. If you didn't know this, Isotope, the company, has a product called Ozone. And for a very brief time, a couple of weeks, they're giving away version 8 for free. And most people speculated. And I think they might have even acknowledged that Ozone 9 was coming out soon. And I think that it's uh, kind of smart for the people, for them, get people into the upgrade path. And I think SP's comment was something like, the first one's free. <laughs> right. So they did the same thing with RX Elements uh, a while back. You know, that, that wonderful RX 5, RX 6, RX 7 that we keep talking about, the Elements portion of it that goes away pretty cheap and is actually some phenomenal 
plugins for podcasters, but then you kind of get hooked on plugins. And you're like, what else is out there? And Isotope makes some really good stuff, but it's really expensive. So yeah, you get caught in, in that whole thing. If you were lucky enough to get the Ozone 8 for free and you're using it, please let us know how you like it. By the way, if you didn't know this, we record this live on Wednesdays at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern. And we have a chat room at geeks.live and we have bangs naughty bits from Reddit in the chat. And he was actually confirming that they did actually say right in the giveaway announcement that they were coming out with a new version soon. So there's your confirmation right there. I didn't read announcements because I don't know how to read. And that's the state of Canadian education, ladies and gentlemen. So Damon, the DM, he actually got us started on this interesting other topic. And he said, I have an interesting topic to discuss. He said it right in the title right there. I have an interesting topic to discuss. I want to acquire a new domain. However, it is currently being held for sale by something that is Chinese. How would I safely or effectively even go about seeing what they'd want for it? And I chimed in. I, it just happened to be on discord at that point in time i think it was at lunch and i said i usually say use a third-party broker but i have been burned by them before now it's important to note that i'm talking about third-party broker here i'm not talking about something else which will shortly come up outrun said if you manage to get in touch with the current owner and if it's a price you can stomach. I would strongly suggest using an escrow service since it will be an international transaction. I think anytime you're doing anything internationally, it's worth considering that it's a whole other level of complexity. So it's important to note that Aluron actually mentioned an escrow service, which is different than a broker. I just want to point that out. So I have not used an escrow service for a URL transaction before. I have used an escrow service for other things in life. And basically, they are a third party that holds money until the actual transaction is completed. And then they go ahead and provide the money to the seller. So I asked Alurun, have you used one before and how much did it cost you? Because once again, I had never used one for a URL transaction. And Aileron said, not for a domain, but for other things, yes. The cost typically depends on the service and the price of the transaction. In this point, I want to point out that we're talking about a transaction across countries. So you're talking about exchange rates. You're talking about legalities. that they, You're going to have to find an escrow service that's willing to do it, too. And I don't have one off the top of my head. Listener, if you have used an escrow service to go internationally for a domain transaction, I would really like to hear about your experience. My personal recommendation in this is, uh, number one, just eliminate the whole international aspect. Move to the country that owns the domain and then work your way up through whatever political structures there until you're running the country. Then implement laws that say that that domain must be transferred to you. I think that's probably the easiest way to handle this. Again, ladies and gentlemen, this is a result of that great Canadian education system. <laughs> and lastly, as we were recording this live, we had an email from none other than loyal listener Johnny Pennington. It's been a while since we've had one of his emails read out. So let's just go ahead. And Johnny has some advice for us in relation to some things we talked about earlier this show. Johnny says, quote, the Canadian tax authorities asked Stephen. What about all this money that your podcast has brought in? Oh, it all goes to SP. I don't get any. It's an American problem. 
The American IRS asks SP the same thing. SP answers the same. Oh, all the money goes to Stephen. I don't get any. It's a Canadian problem. Now, there will be a yearly reoccurring 10% fee to me personally for this sound advice, but think of all the tax payments that you've saved. Your podcast tax problems are now solved. You're welcome, Johnny Pennington, unquote. Johnny Pennington, for those of you who don't know this, Johnny Pennington is a wonderful individual and he likes to ride his bike and uh, his motorcycle. And he's been doing that a lot lately. And I suspect perhaps he may have ingested uh, a bug, some form of toxic bug as he was riding with his open face helmet. And so I think that uh, perhaps it's affecting him a little bit because uh I think there's a few problems with that logic, Johnny. Yeah, it could be. And also he's riding in the Texas heat. So maybe heat exhaustion has infiltrated his system as well as the toxic bug. It's probably both. I I think probably my suggestion is more plausible, but I guess heat heat exhaustion is a thing, apparently. I mean, you're you're it's like 115 degrees. And you're riding on this motorcycle, which creates heat, by the way. The engine is hot and you're sitting on top of the engine. Yeah, you can get a heat stroke from that. If you have a better solution to our tax problems than Johnny Pennington, please get in touch with us through any of the ways. You can email us to podcast at betterpodcasting.com. Head on over to twitter.com slash betterpod or email us to podcast at betterpodcasting.com. And we'd love to have a video clip if you want to send that in because we we do have a full video companion of this show at betterpodcasting.com. Well, SB, there's another show all wrapped up. But before we go, I think we should mention we're part of the Gunna Geek Network. The Gunna Geek Network has a bunch of amazing geeky content. Several of the shows do revolve around television and TV's back on. How exciting is that for everybody there? So yeah, the entire TV was off for a while and now it's back on. Exactly. So the the t- internet TV tubes are unplugged. There's more TV coming out of those tubes now. And so these podcasts that are all about these internet tubes, wait, where are we now with this? Anyways, lots of show content at gunnageeknetwork.com. SB, any final closing words? It's been a great week and I look forward to podcasting about podcasting next week. Please let us know if you have anything you would like for us to talk about or have any comments on this show. We want to hear your what if. For episode number 202, of better podcasting. I'm Stephen John Drew saying SP's here, his beard's here, and his beard is also in the chat. Hi, I'm SP, and thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. An introduction at the end, really, SP? Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.